Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm like, hell yeah, you have sex during tournaments. <laughs> Looks like an old Navy knockoff bargain bin kit. Don't you love her? She's great. Who doesn't love me? No, not you, you idiot. My mic isn't quite here at all, lady. Yeah, there we go. Renee, Caitlin, we're back. Hey, we are back. I know, barely. Everybody, we barely made it back. I, we've copped a lot of abuse on Twitter. <laughs> the odd Instagram message. Where is the pod? Where's the podcast? When are you coming back? Come back now. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. Okay, so I'll be perfectly honest because it's not really your fault. It's more my fault. Um, is it? Not get, well, I was a little busy at the start of the year. Coaching, I was doing television, and then, you know, you got to get players for a good 45 minutes, at least, for this pod. And to get players to sort of give you 45 minutes of their time is a little tough, even for me. To find time between my schedule and their schedule on the road, is, it was a little tough. So you know, we, kind of, we kind of put it into the back burner for a little bit, and we thought, and you came up with a great idea. I mean, in my mind, we were always going to do season one and season two because you need you need a minute. Yeah, it's like Game of Thrones. Yeah, you got to take your time. Keep the people waiting. That's right. Speaking we- of Game of Thrones, oh yo yo, how did you feel about the ending? Let's be let's have out your honest, true answer. Um, I thought it was unearned, and I oh. feel like it was a show about a sociological study that turned into a show about a character-driven arc on in, in an unearned manner. Oh my. God. See, this is why well, you're you a journalist. Have asked. I don't know what and, to tell you. Uh, Look, the Game of Thrones used to be like The Wire. It was more about the systems than the individual people. Breaking the chains. Exactly, breaking the wheel. Then, in the last season, they decide to make it like this character-focused drama, and people are doing shit that you're never like. You're like, that's not your character to Denny? do that. Well, but wasn't it Denny's, really, when you think back to the start of the show? She was a little cray-cray. I, she was always unapologetic. I kind of mean more like Tyrion. All of a sudden, he like can't figure out how to like conduct a battle, or Sansa, or uh, the, the Cersei Lannister. All these guys are doing dumb stuff, and you're like, no, no, no. You're in your positions of power because you're ruthless. So what happened? Now you guys are making dumb decisions. So Danny, but also the rest of the characters. Yeah, I, I think in the end, like my 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 thought was, listen, the Starks got what they deserved, which was to rule the world. That's true, right? Because they were the real, they were the honest, good 
people. Like deep down inside, they were the good See, this people. is what I'm talking about. This is a character-driven conclusion oh. as opposed to a system-driven conclusion. All right, enough about Game of Thrones. Yeah, nobody is we could go on and on and on. Nobody's here about. But you know what's great? We took our time. We got some amazing interviews this season. I'm really jazzed about it, obviously. Yep. And if you look at season number one, we launched it right around this time, June. Yeah. And this next season. Chrissy Everett. With Chrissy Everett. It's hard to top Chris Everett. We could never top Chris Everett. We have somebody who sits along the pantheon of stars as our first guest. We'll get to that in a minute on this season. But before we do, we thought we'd spend this episode sort of catching everybody up. We got a ton of questions, a ton of response when you pulled out the call on Twitter yeah. about what people wanted to hear us talk about. Yeah. Turns out a lot. A lot. And uh, I wrote them all down. Game of Thrones was not one. It was not one of those. No. Nope. Uh, but I'm sure everybody was thinking, what did we think of Game of Thrones? Great point. I mean, come on. I who, would. Who doesn't have. want to know what you've got to think? Uh, so we, we got, a, as you said, we got a lot, a lot of, and it's during the French Open that we're doing this. Um, and, you know, we turn the TV on them watch a little bit of uh, Tennis Channel's um, coverage of the French Open. And I, I, I will say, for the first couple of days, Tennis Channel Plus not working. And there's a lot of Twitter hate, been, been including me. Yeah. Um, because when you pay that money, you want that stuff to work. And yeah. you've got a one major for the year. you got to get it right. Come yeah. on. For, so for two days, you couldn't even see matches on Tennis Channel Plus. Right? I just Tennis assumed it was my phone or Yeah, I know app. you did. You're like, I was like, my phone my phone's not work. working. Oh, we were duh. watching the match at a bar. Not drinking. We, we were, were having, having brunch. We were having lunch. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't, I was getting it through my TV, um, like my Your cable. cable through my phone, and you were trying to pull up the Tennis Channel app because yeah. we were trying to watch our buddy, Andrew Pekovic. That's right. Who won a who won a brutal gutsy match. Yes. first round three setter against Ali Rask. Yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah. But we were watching Serena simultaneously. Um, tennis Channel, now it's back. It's, it's better. Back. I'm delighted to see that. Our, our girl, Mary Carrillo. Shout out to former podcast. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay Davenport, obviously, is part of the Tennis Channel. You know, a lot, yeah. of, lot of love for elements of the Tennis Channel. The app experience the first couple of days, not great. Not good. Hopefully, it will be better. Because well, I do no, pay for it. Uh, hopefully, it, uh, it'll just work for the yeah. rest of the All tournament. Because the work. thing is that the, the great thing about streaming now is that, you know, whether it's Tennis Channel or ESPN, is that you can get you get to watch other matches. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to watch Rafael Nadal or Djokovic win 6 2 6 2 6 1. And sit on that match for two hours. Yeah. Not even. It was an hour and a half. No, but me neither. It's like it's a blowout. It's boring. Like, let's get to some really great matches. And there's a lot of great matches. And that's the thing about TC Plus and also ESPN when they're streaming is mm-hmm. that you can flip over to those other courts and watch actually good tennis yeah. that's entertaining. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always here for the tough the first drama. rounders instead of the blowouts. The I'm, I don't care about seeing the stars. I want to see a, a hard-fought match. Well, one of the things that was discussed was um, just yesterday when they had to stop a lot of really great matches in the third set. And my th- first thought is, uh, hello, how about some lights, French Open? It is interesting. Like you build lights. a freaking roof, but you don't put lights. Like, And I know that it's a problem because of the neighborhood. It's yeah. kind of like at Wimbledon, there's a cutoff time. Yeah. But, but the cutoff time surely is not 9 p.m. It, it's surely got to be 11, like at, at, at Wimbledon, you know, where they have the lights. And at every other tournament, we play under lights in Rome and yeah. Madrid, whatever. So why is it the the FFT can't put some lights at least on center court or, or, or on a couple of the match courts, the bigger match courts? So we get the match done because it's so unfair for the players to have to come back the next day. First of all, it's a freaking nightmare to sleep on that. And yeah. you don't sleep. We've got to get up the next day, play a match. And then you subsequently then have to play the day after. So. Well, I also think it's probably not fa- fair to spectators who buy a ticket oh and want to finish the match because you hear them booing. And they're not booing because the players aren't making a great effort or because they don't love tennis. They're booing because it has to end, right? Yeah. And it's 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 strange. If you're not going to build lights or if you have some sort of like ordinance in the neighborhood like Boulogne 
um, which is the neighborhood in Paris where they play, or in Wimbledon Village, which the is Bois the same. De Boulogne. It's near the Bois de Boulogne. But it, it's it, if you're never going to build lights, then why not just start matches earlier? Yeah. Is 11, like... 11's fine. 10 would be brutal. It's tough. I mean, the thing you have to understand when you are a player, when you play a match at 10 o'clock... <laughs> and our buddy Andrea Pekovic will tell you about this. She hates playing that early because yeah. it takes her a long time to get her body going because she's old. She's had a few injuries. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, um, but you know, you got to get up at like 6 in the morning to get going for a match at 10 o'clock at uh-huh. least. You know, you're warming up at 8.30 maybe, you know, yeah. 8.39. Then you're having to stretch and get ready and shower and for a 10 o'clock match. So, I mean, you have to get really, really early, which everyone's like, oh, why not? Golfers do it. But it's physical. You know, yeah. physical matches uh, tennis. you got to well, be ready from the get-go. And golf's not a sport, as we can. Yeah, it's a game. It's a game. It's, it's a tough game. But it's sure, a game. Sure, it's a game. It's like so, darts. yeah. So a lot of people brought that up, uh, Caitlin, about the lights. Yeah. Bummer. Um, Hawkeye was another thing. Ooh, Hawkeye and Claire. Now, I, I would go through everybody who sent us the questions. Should we do that? Like, give them a shout-out? Or it's just too complicated. I've got the questions written down. You know who you are. Okay? Thank you for if you submitted a question. Yes. The Hawkeye thing, let's let's stay with that for a second. So Hawkeye, as we all know, the electronic uh, sort of line-keeping system, in place on many, many, many hardcore events, obviously, the, the slams. Mm. Not and on grass. And on grass, not on clay, because there is this theory that it is off, and it's so off on clay that it, it renders it virtually unusable. So instead, it's the one surface there you see the umps getting out of their chair, going down, inspecting ball lines, pointing, and then calling, uh, calling Doing it on the Doing the fly. little squiggly, roundy, see, see, I can see mm-hmm. the round hole. Yeah, okay. I love that, personally. You do? Yeah. So you want to keep no Hawkeye on clay? Um, I don't know that it's accurate enough to trust... It, let me tell you something. Caitlin. You you might know better. Let, than me, me. let me let me give you the opposite argument of this. <laughs> you you even cannot trust umpires. Okay. Yeah. You I've, cannot trust. I mean, I'm not saying they're like in it to like screw you. Yeah. But their eyes aren't perfect. Yeah. All the time, and you you do see often on clay, for example, and they clean the court, and then they do the lines with the little brush, right? Yeah, I love. So doing when that. they do the brush. It takes not only the, the clay off the line, but it actually leaves a sort of a, a little bit on the side as well. So I don't even know how to describe that to people out there that haven't seen it. But mm-hmm. but you, you're not they're not just cleaning the line. It's outside of the line. So if a ball hits just off of the line, for example, you don't know if it's hit the line or not because you don't have any clay there. Yeah. The clay has been swept off by the little sweeper thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not accurate as well. Like the sight for the umpires. And I mean, yeah. we've seen some absolute huge blow-ups, including myself on the court, where <laughs> I've had an umpire come out of the chair and I've pointed at a mark that yeah. I am, uh, I've am i seen it didn't hit the line because the clay didn't come off the line, blah, blah, blah. And they come out, no, and it hit the line. I said, it didn't hit the freaking line. Well, there was a really horrific mm. ending of the match. Riley Opelka, I think it was in Lyon the week before the French Open. Match point, third set tie break. The ball he felt was clearly long, and uh, subsequent sort of Twitter analysis makes a pretty compelling case that it was long. There wasn't a great camera angle, but yeah. it seemed pretty clear that it, it was, was not in. Yeah. Type of guy also that wouldn't blow up. Doesn't seem like a it's blow a up kind of guy. Dude. He seems chill. Yeah. Match point, guy hits it long. He puts his arms up to celebrate. The umpire calls it in, gets out of the chair, argument ensues, ends up losing the match. Oh, Three shit. points later. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now, here's the opposite. Here's the I mean, th- you can always call out the worst case scenario to make the argument, but in that case, it's it's horrific. I mean, this guy loses a match. Look at the year before. Carolina Pliskova in Rome like basically tried to be a lumberjack and take down the umpire's chair with yeah, a racket. Yeah, she sure and, 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 and everybody's seen that video. I mean, that ball was inside the line. It wasn't yeah. even... It was either on the line or inside the line, but it was definitely not outside of the line. And the umpire claimed that she couldn't find the ball mark. Oh, no. No, came out of the came out. Excuse me, came out of the chair and pointed at some random mark, and yeah. it was like, dude, that wasn't even close to where it was. So, 
for me, the bottom line is, and this is how I feel about Hawkeye, it yeah. takes away the human element yeah. and the human decision. I don't have any problem and with that. There's no one to argue with. Yeah. If you're an, if you're a player, you know, if you got screwed on a Hawkeye, even yeah. if you thought it was wrong, you know your opponent's going to get screwed on a Hawkeye as it's well. It's the same system. It's the same system. I agree with that. It's not sitting up there. It's blind judgment, and that's what players like. And you don't want to have an argument like in a Pelka situation. He would just say, challenge, and if the, the Hawkeye said whatever it was, he wouldn't argue it. He would just know it was the system. I agree with you. In, and and furthermore, so you've changed my mind. And furthermore, whenever the it's always my uh, <laughs> well, congratulations. Whenever the audience at home sees a better version of the game than what is on the screen, whether it's baseball with the strike zone mm-hmm. or a call in football or whatever it is, do it. It's frustrating because if we have the technology to show the people at home a better mark, then certainly that should be what's. I've just heard the Hawkeye and Clay is not reliable, and that's not the case. We have the technology. Okay, great. Just Moving on. Okay, so lights, so we've ch- Hawkeye, lights, Hawkeye. Late night, game set match. Game set match. Um, okay, l- another thing was a little bit about um, from Kimmy. I do know this uh, was about the scheduling going into the French Open. How Being did Kimmy, shout out to Kimmy. Kimmy, yeah. Uh, h- how it is to get a schedule right? You know, yeah. and a lot of players, for example, pull out the week before a French Open or a Wimbledon or a Grand Slam. Um, someone in Ka- Ash Barty's. Okay, so who was scheduled to play, you know, Rome, Madrid, uh-huh. Strasbourg, French Open. Like, why would you do that as a player? And I said, the, the reason is because players pick their schedule because they have to. They have to do it months in advance. Yeah. There are certain tournaments that you have to play depending on where your ranking is at. You have to play those events in, the, in support of those events. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of them sign up because they think, well, if I do shit in Rome or in Madrid, I need matches before the French Open. So yeah. they enter those tournaments thinking it's a bit of a backup, right? Mm-hmm. So then, of course, you know, someone like Ash did very well in Rome and Madrid probably felt like she'd had a ton of tennis already, which she has. And, uh, you know, pulls out with an air, you know, I'm doing air quotes, injury mm-hmm. um, and, you know, pulls out of the tournament to go to the French. And I said, well, why do they enter? I said, well, they, they don't really yeah. have much of a choice. So it's kind of a shitty system, but also at the same time, pl- tournaments have to promote the players and put them on posters. So it, it is a bummer when they pull out. Yeah. Uh, but it's sadly, it's the nature of the beast. You know? I have two f- points of feedback there. One of which is my general um, attitude is to always sort of support the player, believe the player, do whatever makes the player in a be- you know in the best headspace physical space to be able to compete right mm-hmm. so like i'm pretty sympathetic when it comes to coaching or scheduling like i always like to give them the benefit of the doubt because it's just so insanely hard what they do and the second thing is and this is kind of more of a broad point about media but like i would like to go back to a day when the tournaments didn't rely so much on who's coming yeah. and more about you're going to see some great tennis yeah you're going to be in a beautiful place yeah. you're going to be in a great city and we've gotten a great field for you. Full stop. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that, to me, is why I go. I don't... It, oh, no. Ash Barty's not going to be in the... You are a rarity. Not a, I won't say you're a rarity. If you're a tennis fan, that, that is a true yeah. tennis I'm here for the tennis. Yeah. There's uh, many people I like, yeah. but I, my day's not going to be ruined if I'm not going to say, oh, no, Vika's out. Oh, like no, I can't. Benoit Paire. Oh, God bless him. Benoit. You love him, don't I you? I do. He's your favorite. Maybe. Really? I love the lunatics. What can I say? Okay. Right. I, I wonder we're friends. Exactly. Okay. okay. So, uh, so that was it. So that that's another reason why. You know, they they do have to take care. Of, and, and guess what? Sometimes there are legit injuries where they really aren't good. Look at Petra Kvitova who had to pull out. You know, the day. Look, before. I'm willing. If if an injury is a mental health or exhaustion, that counts to me as an injury. All you right. Know what so I mean? mental health was another one that was, yeah. br- was brought up. Uh, um, how difficult. Um, is the mental health side of um, sport in general. And yeah. I can answer that question. And it's 
very important. You know, one of the things that I wish I'd done when I played was meditate, for example. I don't think enough players do that because sort of pulls you away from the ups and the downs and the, you know, the the positives and negatives. And, and, you know, any most, I'd say a lot of players will tell you losing is really hard. It's really emotionally hard on you. You go into these dark places and, you know, uh, I think it was Katie Swan. Was it Katie Swan who wrote something um, recently about, how difficult it was and the expectation on you and 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 plus you have to remember it's life it's your life yeah, like it's, it's how life. you make money it's how you get through and everybody out there will know but if it's you not just a job. job i mean it's like it's a 24 7 job you're in it all the time you can't clock out at Mm-mm. six and be like okay well i guess i'm done today was a shit day at work i guess i'll just stream game of thrones it's like no you're in a foreign city having to deal with like now a t- 10 hour flight home with you know oh i lost oh, before I, I was supposed to yeah or or match point or oh, yeah. what if i'd done this and you right. ruminate over these yeah. losses so much you know and it's only one winner every single week and yeah you know, it's often not you. So <laughs> having to deal with that is tough. And now you've got the social media aspect of everything. So, you know, these players are getting like, whether it be because, you know, people are abusing them on social media because yeah. they bet on the match. That's abhorrent. That's just, it is so. <laughs> if you're a shit sack person who's berating a player, especially if you're getting Turn off misogynistic, racist, whatever. Yeah, just walk into traffic. I mean, just no thanks. Like, get out of here. Get it. Come to New York. Don't look up. Just walk. Okay. (laughs) Just walk into traffic. traffic. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if you're betting on, if you're betting, first of all, if you're betting on anything and then you think someone's like done something, you know, mischievous to you and deliberately lost, give me a break. You're, you're, You're betting. Yeah. You're betting. Yeah. On sports. Like, it doesn't happen where the winner is supposed to always, you know, is the favorite. Right. I mean, I bet on the Kentucky Derby and got screwed. Right. Because the horse got taken down because it sort of took out three horses. And that's the way it goes. I mean, I would have won money. Yeah. These are these are human beings that people are jumping into. And shout out to Madison Keys, by the way, who's done yes. an incredible job and continues to do an incredible job talking about bullying, really in and, fearlessly and also girl. fearlessly girl is her nonprofit mm-hmm. and also pulling in a ton of other women, both and men, both on the tennis world from the tennis world, but also outside to sort of talk about. Like, let's not abuse and bully people. I mean, Jesus Christ, we have to tell these people not to do this stuff? Like, I'm a mom. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm ready to take some twigs to people on the playground. That's how it feels. Take some toys to people? Twigs. Oh, twigs. Yeah. It's not really going to do much. No, it's not. I forget I said that. Anyway, moving on. uh, All right. So that's that aspect of it. So basically, yes, it's very, very hard. And there are a lot of top players that will tell you they've locked themselves in hotel rooms for days and not come out. But shout out to people who are talking about it and making this, you Mm -hmm. know, not only if your job is insanely difficult, but just generally mental health. Like, talk about it. Go to therapy. Self-care. Meditate. Whatever you need to do. Like, that's, I I really applaud that. You're not alone. No, absolutely not. And I think that that's an amazing thing when we have athletes who are talking about how Kiki Bertens is another one. Yeah. Close to retirement two years ago. Mm. Now number four in, four in the world. But a couple of years ago, she's thinking about hanging it all up because she's just like, this life is punishing and grueling. It's and punishing I need and to find it's my hard. happiness. It's really, it's hard because it dictates your happiness. Yeah. And that's what sucks. And a lot of people say, no, that's why, you know, Roger's a bit of a unicorn because even when he loses, he's pretty okay. Yeah. So, well, he fucking wins all the time. That's why. But, <laughs> um, you know, and he's got, a, you know, $100 million in the bank. So that helps. Sure. All right. So uh, on to another subject. Uh, let's talk a little bit some about some of the players. Somebody asked me about Joe Conta. It's nice to see her back. Yeah, doing well. Totally. And why? Um, but I, I say she's a little bit like Muguruza in some respects, the way she hits the ball. She hits the ball real flat really sort of very deliberate with everything that she does. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the confidence is there, then she's super accurate with everything. You know, groundy, serving, mm-hmm. um, her confidence is up. But when the confidence goes down, it's, there's no real game 
plan B. It's not mm-hmm. a lot of feel to her game. Yeah. You know, sort of like Muguruza. Yeah. And she's on, she's on. And they, they are similar in the way that they play, I feel. Yeah. Everything starts with the serve and then the groundies. So, but on the aspect of having her back in finals and doing well, yay. Yeah. Like, Totally. You know, golf clap for uh, Joe because we need need her out there, and she's a terrific player and a great kid. So it seems like a lovely person. And <clears throat> actually, uh, maybe this is wrong, but it seems like she managed to pick up some steam from Fed Cup. She yes came yes good point and Bolter and Swan and and Heather Watson, one of my favorites. Like these guys dug deep and kept Great Britain in the World Group with a pretty gutsy win over uh, Kazakhstan. Not a lot of people watch Fed Cup. I'm dropping like Kazakhstan. and people don't realize how many players are from Kazakhstan. A lot of a lot of transplants, a lot, a lot of, of transplants. Russian transplants. Yeah, exactly. Putin Seva, namely. But like, what I loved about that is a team competition, a sort of not widely viewed, at least not in probably this country, competition gives this kid some wind in her sails, and then she gets back out there and and has sort of a resurgence this year. So I think that's really cool. I mean, you could look at Djokovic and Serbia's Davis Cup, mm-hmm. you know, strong, strong showing as the start of his streak where he like won. I don't Everything. know what it was, 40 matches for in a row or something another, like that. Another Nolay slam. It's pretty yeah. impressive. It's amazing when you think about the fact that we've got Rafa going for t- possible 12. Yeah. You've got Novak going for a possible Nolay slam again. Yeah. And you've still got Roger up there um, competing the way he is and winning, you know, 100 titles in Miami and then subsequently what he's done since. But it's like we have the th- greatest... Um, period of men's tennis at the same time it's you've got three the three greatest players of all time are playing at the same time i mean men's tennis is really lucky but fyi they will be they will be retiring soon yeah which brings me to one of the other next questions about when do you retire like when what's, do you retire what's, right what's the catalyst between all right i'm hanging them up yeah and, and the mean, question was centered around Federer, who's now 37, Venus, who's 38, 39. 38 going on 39. You know. Serena. Serena's obviously. Maria Sharapova with her injuries, mm-hmm. et cetera. When's she going to um, retire? Um, What's your thought on that? Well, I mean, it's a little bit mixed bag, to be honest. Uh, a lot of it, you know, Roger's even spoken about this physicality. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, you know, the injuries and it just becomes too much to get injured and come back three or four months later, which isn't a tremendous amount of time for somebody who's in their mid-30s. Um so it's like putting the work in to get the rehab done, blah, 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 particularly if you have enough money to retire and never worry about it, <laughs> which a lot of these players obviously do. But yeah. as, And then it's the mental side of it. You know, Chrissy Everett, I spoke to her about it, and she said that it was it was a lot more mental for her. It was just emotionally, it was just too draining. Plus, she wanted to have family and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So uh, obviously for women, it, 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 some of it does come down to that. Like also, when is it right to stop? And Casey Delac was talked about that. She wanted, yeah. And she was playing really well in doubles, making a lot of money. And, mm-hmm. you know, that sets you up for your life, right? And her her, her girlfriend was like, hey, you sure you don't want to play a couple more years? You yeah. Know? <laughs> she was making very good money. So yeah. that's a hard decision. But for me, I was old. I mean, relatively speaking. Um, what were you when you stopped? I'd, I'd go back to 39. 43? No, no, no. I was, I, 39, I think, was the last Grand Slam. And I think I stopped not long after that the next year. Yeah. Maybe I was 39 or 40. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just it's putting in the hard work. It's yeah. like doing all the every day waking up and knowing you have to go to the gym and go to practice and the ups and the downs and the travel and being away. And if you're you know, really happy in your personal life, do you want to travel? Do, mm-hmm. Can your partner travel? That becomes hard as well. You know, Do you have somebody who's got a nine to five job that can't take off and travel with you all the time? So I think a lot of it has to do with that. It's where the men are pretty lucky because usually... Yeah, they have the an women, accommodating women. woman on... Yeah, but more it's often not than so not. easy for a guy just to hang it up and sort of travel with his yeah. woman. Um, 
My, so it's, I had it's a, a bit of both, physical or mental. I want to shout out to the the gentlemen, uh, Jonathan and James, who do a really fantastic podcast out of Toronto called The Body Serve. It's the best mm-hmm. tea-serving podcast there is out there. A lot of gossip, a lot of hot takes. It's really great. I love it. And they said something to me because I was like, oh, God, yeah, Venus, man. Why isn't she hanging it up? And they were like, she loves it. You don't get to decide. You yeah. don't get. We don't get to decide when these players hang it up. Yeah. If they are having the time of their life out there if they are finding the motivation to do all those hard things that you just talked about i think of somebody like svetlana kuznetsova right got yeah. a couple of slams made all the money she needs she's doing great i mean follow her instagram if you want to see somebody living their best life she's in italy right now yeah but she's not playing well she's not playing well but you know what who is it who are we to decide that yeah, she should I hang agree. it up if she can still get into tournaments and win them hey man I, great it's so up. it changed my mind talking to those guys because i was like you know what you're right it's not my decision if they can still play it Great. Some people will go down, like someone like a Lisa Raymond always said, look, if I'm not doing well, if I'm not having the results I want, I don't want to freaking do this anymore. Yeah. Like I, I, I get know, that. I've had a standard of X and I don't want to be at AB. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to be doing well. I want to be winning. If I don't feel like I contend, yeah. I, I, that I can contend to win tournaments, I don't want to play anymore. Yeah. So there's some top players that have had great success that really feel that way. And there's some that just go, like Venus, for example, who just love it. They yeah. love playing. They love practicing. They love having a purpose. I mean, Roger's like that. Yeah. Um, he loves playing tennis. Yeah. He loves the adoration. He loves the no. everything look, about it. And look, Venus and Roger are still making slam finals. You yeah. Know? Like, Serena's going to be interesting for me for the rest of this year and maybe next. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much? Because, you know, she's she's got this beautiful baby with her all the time. And, you know, she's got a lot of interests outside of tennis now, yeah. which she's always had. But... I just, you know, at some point for someone like Serena, for example, if she's not winning the tournaments, that's a person that would be like, fuck this. Yeah. You know, like if I'm not really contending, obviously, look, last year, two finals at Grand Slam. So she's still contending. So yeah. I think that will, she's that type of, but for, for Venus, I think it's a little bit less. But for Serena, if she's not winning them or getting to finals and yeah. really contending, that's when at times she'll be like, okay, I'm done. I don't need to do, I don't need to prove anything to anyone yeah. anymore. 
and you mentioned Nadal a little bit earlier. Let's talk about fashion. This is something that on my other tennis podcast that I record very intermittently, uh, on the main draw. And it was asked of us by a lot of people on Twitter. We talk about fashion. A lot of people want to hear our take um, on fashion. I'm ready with some very blazing, Go for it. blazing takes. Okay. The Nike kit, the sort of basic generic Nike kit, Kyle Edmonds in it, Borna Koric, uh, Vika, Daria Kasatkina, like... Kasakina. Kasakina. That's right. Look at my pronunciation. Don't you love her? She's great. Who doesn't love me? Um, No, not you, you (laughs) idiot. (laughs) Um, uh, Caroline Garcia. It's it's kind of this like power clashing tool, Nike black on white kind of Mm. weird pattern stuff. Mm. I love it. I think it's really cool and weird and I'm here for it. It's kind of a lot, but I like when the brands do something a little crazy. And I think for the most part, they carried it off. Two notable Nike exceptions. Holy Shit, does Rafa look bad? What the f is that outfit? The shoes? It's a nightmare. It's just it. it it's like neon blue and yellow, and there's some kind. It looks like an old navy like knockoff <laughs> bargain bin kit. And then Del Potro also not. They gave him some sort of like the off brand kind of like there's a brown in there and like a mustard yellow. No, just everyone looks cool in that black on black. Just keep it black on black. I think that's great. Two others. Federer, what? So bad. He's oh, he looks, looks like, like a poop. he looks like a postal delivery man. Yeah, but worse because I actually think the U.S. Postal Service outfits are kind of cute, not cute. I could see, I could see you walking around in that. Actually. Thank you. I'm yeah. wearing a shorts you are. onesie You're wearing today. Wearing a onesie today, and it's like it's like 65 degrees out. It was a little colder Jesus than I anticipated. Christ. Not my greatest. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, women's side. A lot of people, obviously, after last year's bodysuit, watching what Serena I wears. Like Serena's this outfit. is the Virgil Abloh yeah. sort of special kit. Um. You think you yeah, like I it? I like it. You like it? You think I it's like good? I like it. Um, I like the mesh a lot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the couple of the feeler outfits. Is, what's amazing the to The feeler me outfits look good. Is that they, the companies, just so everybody knows, they, they don't pick this like two weeks ago, you know, and go, oh, that's cool. Let's put them in this. Yeah. This is done years in advance. Yeah. Like, for example, I can tell you Carolina Pushkova's feeler kit. She knew exactly what she was wearing in February this year. So yeah. she'd already done her filming and her pictures yeah. in Miami in February yeah. for her entire line for the year. So the year is done. So you can't, you know, so everyone's like, oh, why are they? And and, a lot, and I know a lot of people are pissed off that, you know, everyone's in the same gear. It's like, why don't they have separate stuff for the players and when they're playing against each other and then they're in the same outfit? That's the way it is, kids. Like, yeah. that's what they're, they're trying to sell that outfit yeah. in the stores. It just so happens that Nike, the for same example, thing has a lot of players. The bothers me less. Pam Shriver hates it. Pam Shriver, a lot of people hate it. Oh, she hates it. Our friend Craig Shapiro, who hosts another really good podcast under review, he hates it. I, I don't mind it as much. I just mind the eye-bleeding outfits. So on to continue on that note, the Fila, shout out to our creative director, Daniela Del Persio, who shot all those things with, mm-hmm. um, with Kaya I like. I think the Fila stuff looks really yeah, great. I think Fila have done a great job. This Me too. Year. I think it's really great. Um, the Adidas stuff I find kind of bland. Well, it's they're German. I mean, don't take offense out there, German. No, but listen, we're but doing it's just how they are. Speaking to your point about knowing well in advance, Racket Magazine is doing a capsule collection with Adidas, cool tennis Adidas. for you. Thank you, Adidas for the U.S. Open 2020. So not only do we know exactly, my this point. is. I mean, I haven't seen all the but final stuff. But isn't it amazing how you, it's 2020. You'll, you'll turn up in. Uh, yeah, the U.S. Open 2020, and and everyone will have the same color scheme. It's yeah. like, what the fuck? Did you guys all get together and go, let's go black and white? Maybe all they did. Maybe they did. Seriously, it's amazing how yeah. it happens. I'm like, what? Everyone's in fluoro. What? <laughs> you know? So it's like it's like it's like a yeah. Nixon. Like it's like a Watergate. Are they? Do they have like? 
speakers and they're going they're going fluoro it's happening fluoro it's neon this year everyone hold on to your hats yeah Yeah, i kind of i i don't i don't think as a i think generally the nike stuff is getting the most buzz in a bad way but i am here to defend it because i think it's really good uniqlo i don't know that's just a train wreck what happened i don't know like i don't need see there's some players like a sharapova serena roger i'm sure nole to some extent Mm mm-hmm um, have a say in what they're seeing and yeah. giving it approval. So, I, I, Mr. F- Federer yeah. is quite the uh, metrosexual. Okay, he likes... that's not a thing we say anymore. Now we say like, what do we say? I don't know, fashionable because yeah. everyone's metrosexual now. Have you noticed no, everyone's queer? Yeah, it's great. Listen, Matt Ebden is not. Well, no, actually, no, not Matt Ebden. I'm thinking of Johnny <laughs> Millman, you know. But uh, listen, here's the deal. He he would have some. He's got to have some say in what. I can't imagine he put that on and went, yeah, Anna Winter would love this. I mean, look, Anna, get involved. Yeah, true. It, he needs an intervention. Anna. He looks so bad. It's <laughs> anyway, but he still shocking. looks good. Well, his game looks good. Sure. All right. Uh, you know, just to really sort of sidestep you here, it was somebody asked sex during tournaments. I'm like, hell yeah, you have sex during tournaments. <laughs> um, I mean... It depends. I'll, I'll give you an example. If Oh, I won't give you my example, but great. I'm just giving you examples in general. If you win and you had sex... You were going to have sex again because you want to win. It's all it's about, winning. Yeah. Okay? And if you won a tournament and you didn't have sex that week, you are not having sex ever again when you play tennis. But I think what the <laughs> question was getting at oh, is like, I remember this headline from the UK mm, papers mm. way long ago because Boris Becker like failed to, you know where I'm going with this, I think. Mm. I never forget it. The headline was, too much sex beats big Boris because the implication I mean, was that I'm Boris England, Becker right? was, and we all know that he likes a cocktail waitress and a flight attendant, given who he's, you know, fathered. But we love Boris. I love Boris. I, as a confirmed lesbian, I find him, like, devastatingly handsome. I know, you handsome. actually, have, to t- you it's actually weird. have told me that. That's, it's so strange. Story. He's very attractive to me. Um, mm. I mean, I'm not the only one. Like, women all over the world. Have, Clearly. Yeah. Anyway, and I like his taste in women. He's got great taste in women. It's your type. Totally. Anyway, Boris... The headline was too much sex beats big Boris, meaning off the court he was partying, depleting his energy maybe. I think what, what it should have, if if he was going out and partying, I don't think the sex was the problem. I think maybe he'd had a drink or two. Other, other things. I mean, usually when you drink too much, it's not so good for your tennis. Yeah. Sex is definitely not, It's it, it can be a positive or a negative. And I, as I said, if if you do it and you win the next day, clearly you will forever and ever say, oh, that's fine. No, no, no. Not to go too deep on this, but um, the... <laughs> no, gross. Uh, the uh, collegiate NCAA scene was, especially at like big tournaments, oh. it was sort of like an orgy. I mean, it was just like, what is going on? Like, who's yeah, hooking up with no who? No offense, and- but those are college players, you know? I'm just saying not, they don't, everyone's they- like fit and bored. You know, we got, got lots it. of time on our hands, got and it. we're like, okay, so you know, you're basically saying that that's it was fun. It was a good time. You went to college. I did not. Okay, there you go. That you've there was that some question. a lot of downsides playing college tennis. Okay. That was not one of them. All right. So, uh, why don't tournaments show pre and post match interviews? Um, was one question as well. And okay, so being in television, I can tell you a lot of it has to do with trying to get commercials in. So sometimes producers or directors will uh, producers will just say, "Look, we we've got to get some commercials in here. Um, mm-hmm. We don't really care about the post match interview. It could be somebody uh, you know that's doing the interview that you don't want on your television screen, or f- there's lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ESPN sometimes will be up against a hard out. We call it. So at six p.m., we got to get to Sports Center. Yeah. Uh, or whatever, and it's 5.59. We don't have time to show the post-match interview or the trophy ceremony, and, you know, we get so much shit when we don't show the p- trophy cer- ceremony, which I am also very against. And You w- watch a player play for two and a half, three hours, and you want to hear them 
talk after a match and yeah. thank their people. But sometimes, you know, and as you know, Caitlin, in live television or television schedules, you can't push them back. So there's somebody that could be wanting that sports center that doesn't give a yeah. shit about tennis. Like, why is this starting five minutes late? Yeah, so, you know, you know that's often the reason why. But I will shout out the streaming services, TC+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, uh, they show those. A lot of the tournaments and the radio. We don't talk a lot about the radio, but I think the radio coverage does a lot. Great job. This week you could be listening to Radio Roland Garros. They have a lot of interviews with players. Mm-hmm. They they cut to a lot of the press conferences. Mm-hmm. So all the things I just mentioned, they will oftentimes not only show you know the entirety of the match, including the post-match interview, but also they will show a lot of press conferences, which I think is really interesting. I mean, you know, we watch LeBron in press conferences. We watch basketball. We watch a lot of other stuff. Yep. Like I think it could and should be part of the culture where we're getting to hear what the players think because I think it's totally. really fascinating. I agree. I agree. One of the other questions was sometimes about, you know, we, the TVs are getting so good now, you know, with HD mm-hmm. and 5G. Yeah, you can see someone's like blackheads yeah. from well, across the globe. Well, it's a, not, a, not a joke, actually. They, I was told one time when I started doing television, and remember, everybody, wear your makeup because it's HDTV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. FYI, you can see every freckle on your face. So, um, you know, one of the things was what about the camera angles and how, did that, how does that happen? I can tell you there's some times where um, people build uh, a center court or a stadium. And they don't think about where the fuck they're going to put the cameras. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can tell you, you that can that's tell a fact. which ones. And I, I don't want to get into who exactly, but you guys know when you're watching television and you're watching tennis and you're like, Jesus Christ, this camera is so far away from the court. Yeah. yeah. Didn't think about that, did they, when yeah. they decided to build the stadium? So they're ding dongs. And, you know, an ESPN will go and, and they'll do an on site check before. So when they're yeah. building a stadium, they'll actually, ESPN will go, whoever's covering the tournament for whomever will go and say, yeah, this is a great spot here. This is good. This is the angle we want. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's too close. Sometimes it's too far away. But boy, oh boy, when you're making a stadium, people, you've got to think about that. A lot of them on TV are too high. Oh, it's so bad. And the thing that I love, and ESPN does this a lot, which I really appreciate, is they put the camera, or at least cut to the one angle where it's behind one of the players. And Mm. even though you can only really see one of the players and sort of in the far distance, the other player, you get to see the speed of the court and you get to see the size of the court. I think that camera angle is underused. I've been saying it for years because I really passionately believe in it. And I think it does the closest to taking people at home into the sort of uh, tournament experience. It does. I'm not a lover of that angle. I love it. Um, But, you know, that's a perfect example of why it's really important to show different angles Yeah. uh, when when you're showing tennis because some people like it and some people don't. I also just think having the variety gets you to understand sort of both the size of the court but also, you know, gives you a... I think tennis is one of those sports that's much better in person and mm-hmm. I think the better we can do to show it on TV, the, the more fans it'll have. So we're, we're, at the, we're talking during the French Open. What do mm-hmm. you think about the Sunday starts of the Grand Slams? I like them. I like them. It's a full day of weekend tennis that I can watch yeah. on my laptop. It's more money I'm not for the work. tournament. I think it's great. Yeah. So, uh, did the players not like it? Is there any reason um, other think, tournaments don't? I do think it? a lot of players. There's a bit of a pushback because it just feels like, oh shit, you know, we're having to start this earlier than you're we're coming ready, from another or town coming or from something. another tournament. Uh-huh. Or, so that's where it gets a little bit difficult. I personally would rather them just start on Monday. Yeah. Um, but as you said, you know, monetarily, like Wimbledon's never going to change. It'll start sure. on Monday, but they don't have a Sunday, uh, which. They're taking away a weekend day. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It is. You know, they, yeah, the middle taking, Sunday they don't. They don't. Famously, but they don't. Do you they know how play. much players love that? Yeah. I mean, you have no idea how much yeah. players appreciate that extra day of just kind of like being able to switch it off. Um, because you don't switch. You don't switch off even if you're in the tournament. But boy, for an hour or two, you can maybe switch off a bit yeah. more than you can in, in another Grand Slam. And it's just that beautiful, wonderful Sunday, which is usually a really pretty day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just relax. You know.
We we appreciate as journalists, I can tell you that. You were telling me that Racket Magazine, we usually have a party in London. I'm still trying to figure out what we're going to do this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were like, send in your suggestions. Send in your suggestions. You said you should do it on middle Saturday because everyone will come and get hammered. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's the spirit. Well, <laughs> I meant it. I was like, well, that the, is t- the players out of the tournament will come and get hammered. Great. But the ones in the tournament will probably stay a little bit more. Well, listen, Nick Curios came to our last party. And he was in the tournament before he was out of the tournament. Well, so we all know. That's shout Nikki. out to him. That's shout out to Nicky. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we love Nick. I, mean, I do. I listen. Love him. There are parts of him that I wish would change, but um, overall, he's great for the no, game. I, he's if great. He can just game. get his shit together. Uh, when are we going to let Let's in? I I want Let's to be played. We've had this discussion. Uh-huh. I want to see Let's play. What do you f- fine? Yeah. Fine with that. They do it in college. I think Simple. it's fine. Like, yeah. Okay. A lot of people want to know about the coaching changes over this year, and we've seen a lot, particularly uh-huh. in the women's game. I don't in the men's. Um, we're talking Wim Fassett. We're talking uh, Kamal Murray, Kamal Murray, Stevens. Yeah, um, yeah. There's been a lot of. Co- Listen, here's the deal with coaching. It's t- it's tough. I mean, it's like a marriage. It's like a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if you lose a match, for example, or you know, you got to blame it on somebody. Yeah, so it's often the coach. You know, or sometimes they just give you a shitty game plan and it didn't work. Or sometimes you get on the practice court, you don't really like what they're practicing with you. Or sometimes the coaches ask for a ton more money, which I think is what apparently happened with Sasha Bajan and really? which is, is that apparently what you heard? I've heard that the Sasha Bajan Naomi Osaka thing was partly because of money. Wow, interesting. I did not know that, and I can tell I mean, you. I, I mean, I know a lot of gossip. Yeah, obviously, because uh, I know a few people out there mm-hmm. look the bottom line is that you know relationships are one and done as sometimes you know and coaching is just the same it's like it's not easy sometimes as you said money is becomes a part of the equation mm-hmm. as it often does and I can t- give you a couple of people like that um but others it's like the coach is just done with the player too I mean somebody tweeted you know I can't believe somebody hasn't worked on Ostapenko's surf she just double folded 16 times French Open first round and lost is that first true? round 16? again was that real? 16 wow I think it was 16 and yeah, um, like my someone said you know days. how can you not work on her serve as a coach I'm like uh just let's flip that around for a second okay there is a possibility that the player is a freaking pain in the ass and doesn't want to change anything as uh-huh. well I don't know I haven't been on the court with her yeah but you know, but it's not only the coach. Imagine her being the easiest person to work with. She seems like she's got some strong opinions. Yeah. So you know, sometimes it's about the player. If they don't want to change it, then they're not going to change it. And under pressure, they'll always go back to what was is before. most comfortable. Mm. And you know, in some cases with coaching, it's logistics. Yeah. Sometimes it's uh, well, for for with me and Plushkova, for example. I mean, it was tough. You know, I work full time with uh, ESPN at the Grand Slams, and you know, she wanted a little bit more sort of continuity. And when I brought Conchita onto the uh, into the team last U.S. Open, you know, Conchi was a lot more available, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just, like, made a little bit more sense for Carolina to keep her on board on a full-time basis. And yeah. so it was, you know, then I was able to sort of uh, let her go on that. Yeah. But, I you mean, know, well, she's done very well she's done under great, both of you. you know, and so. uh, she's definitely, for me, she's starting to look like the favorite of the French. I yeah. mean, you know, winning Rome is always an indicator for me who will win the French Open. Mm-hmm. Um if it's a competitive field, which it was in Rome. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, that's why Rafa and Pliskova now. I mean, I did, you know, Halep's still my slight favorite at the French is because she's so good. Once she gets her teeth into the French Open, she's so good mm-hmm. on the clay. And she suffered such a tough out. But, you know, Carolina has the weapons and she can beat anyone. So, you know, there's no doubt. And, and Conchie's a great influence. And, and I think the thing that was passed on to her by myself and now the baton's been taken from Conchita's passion yeah. for the game. You know, run for the balls, get after it, fight. Yeah. And she's won a lot of matches in the last seven months. Yeah. She's in had three a sets. Very good. In three sets, losing yeah. the first set. 
And that is something that she didn't really have before was that, I mean, she always had desire and fight, but now I think the desire and the fight has ratcheted up yeah. quite. Finding that extra gear. Yeah. So there you go. So sometimes it's a little bit of logistics. Sometimes it's money. And sometimes it's just, you know what? You just need to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a change sometimes. Mm. All right. We got only a few minutes left. So what are the more sort of tantalizing questions that we got from readers? And again, thank you guys so much for sending these in. We'll try to do this on a periodic basis because it's fun for us to obviously opine. Uh, somebody asked about Wozniacki. I mean, having to deal with the uh, rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. arthritis. I mean, That's listen, tough. it's a bitch. It's yeah. a nightmare. And uh, she's struggling. And she's obviously over the last few years has really had to deal with a lot of injuries, um, particularly to her knee. Um, but, you know, this is just an ongoing situation for her. And I think that... Uh, I, I'd, the, here's a perfect example when, when, to, when to retire. Yeah. Right? I mean, she's a great player who won, who's won a tremendous amount of tournaments, who's now engaged, obviously thinking about having a family, getting married. Um, and she's not having the success that she's used to. Mm-hmm. And and dealing with injuries at the same time, it's kind of like, fuck this. You're like, this is too hard, you <laughs> yeah. know? And it's disappointing. And, you tr- and she practices and works out so hard and so much that at some point it's like, Okay, it's just getting too much now Mm -hmm. for me. And and it's sad. And um, so, listen, let's hope that she has a better back half of this year um, because she deserves that as such a great ambassador for women's tennis. Um, And, uh, you know, hopefully she sticks around for a lot longer because she's such a great name. But, you know, at the same time, she's also a friend of mine. I want her to be happy. Yeah. Um, So if, if, if it means stopping. Um, and you know, getting on with her life, and look, she's got a nice little pad here in New York. Let yeah, she does. Her a lot hey, more. why don't you, Carolyn? Why, where's my invite to the co- rooftop cocktail party? Yeah, well, let's work on that. Maybe for her retirement party. Maybe for her retirement party. And also, I want to see Francesca Schiavone a little bit more on uh, her. I know. Don't in we her love corner? Frenchie? Loving, yeah, loving that she's coaching. Was. I don't know how much she's going to be around now once she's on the grass and yeah, etc. But we'll see. Um, but it's nice to see more women coaches. I and love that's, that. You know, their players are now starting to go. Oh, oh, they. Oh, they can think. Oh, they've got actually oh. pretty good ideas. I mean, look at Turns out their vaginas don't get in the way of yeah, their brains. Look at that. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? So, yeah, so it's nice to see that. I read this amazing story. I'm going to get her name wrong, but this 16-year-old who just won a sort of wildcard first-round match, one-handed backhand, and people are asking her, as we, you know, we love one-handed backhands here at the Racket Magazine podcast, uh, <laughs> and we were, a friend of mine was like, oh, did you see this girl? Did you see her match? And I was like, no, but turns out she has one-handed backhand, and she goes, yeah, Amelie Moresmo taught me this backhand. Why would I listen to anybody else? Yes. Like, love that. Come on. I'm doing a high five. No, Come like, on. oh, I'm doing it for Federer. I'm doing it because of Pete Sampras. It's like, no, Amelie Moresmo. She yeah. set the, yeah. Oh, come on. Love it. it. There was no better. More Shout beautiful. Out. Other than maybe. Justine. Justine's no, was better. No, Justine's one-hander was not pretty. It was the prettiest bet one-hander. No, no. Get, no. Agree to disagree. Uh, okay, that's fine. But I'm, and I'll get shit from people. They'll tweet me. But it was a, it was a little hectic, that one-hander. Okay, it was a little head flowing, like twisting all over the place. Yeah, it was like Richard's Gasquet. It's a long flowing no, stroke. It was not that flowy. It was a little discombobulated and a little bit of, uh, it was an unbelievable one-hander. But when we're talking beauty of the one-hander, like just the flowing one-hander, mm-hmm. Moresmo, Suarez Navarro. Suarez Navarro. Okay. I mean, Around here Francesca's was a little bit more like, like muscled, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the same as Ennen's. Ennen was a little bit... Um, Muscly. Now, I had a lovely one handy. That's where you're supposed to come in and say, yours is beautiful, <laughs> Yours <Caitlin."> is beautiful. <laughs> and <laughs> yours is beautiful. And you also did some really nice re-engineering on mine. Oh, well, Thank that, you for that. It needed... Some All right. Okay. Uh, Which is why you just take the compliment. You it's dick. good. It's good. Speaking yes. of dicks, my favorite <laughs> thing. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about. Um, it's your favorite saying, actually. Bag of dicks. Bag of dicks. Uh, eat a bag of dicks. Um, oh God, it's so disgusting. It's disgusting. That's why it's a good insult. Uh, one thing that I loved, uh, Courtney Nguyen, our friend, WTA insider, mm-hmm. uh, Racket Magazine contributing editor. She was talking about how 
shitty it is that all, not only do these female athletes get all this abuse about having a bad day and an off day, but really we don't talk about like menstruation. Oh, that's what periods. we want to talk about. Oh my God. Period. Do, periods are a fucking nightmare. If guys had periods, you guys would be in the hospital. You'd be crying. You'd be getting like IVs. You'd be getting medicine. We'd have like national holidays. I mean, this shit is real and it's raw. I got into a fight with my college tennis coach, one of the worst coaches I've ever played under, by the way. What's his name? Uh, Blake Starkey. What a terrible coach he was. Dick. Truly, Dick. And I remember one time saying, oh my God, you look, I'm really having a rough day. Like I have such a bad period. Like I can't play. I think we were in Stillwater, Oklahoma, playing Oklahoma State or something oh, like that. God. And he turns to me and he goes, gross. Can you not talk about that? I was like, listen, uh, you're the coach of a women's tennis team with a charge of being managing 10 girls between the ages of 18 that and 22. They're all having periods. You can. can't handle the fact that I'm talking about my period. I wasn't saying like anything hor- horrifically offensive. It's, it's, it's not a lot different than I was saying like, oh, man, I twisted my ankle and I'm really having a rough time. Like, yeah. hey, can you sit me? You didn't me? say, hey, my uterus is falling out. That's how it feels. Maybe, some, maybe something I like said that? something close something to like that, actually. But but look, can we not have a conversation about our periods? Like, Let's have a conversation about it because I can tell you for a fact that uh, my first ever Olympics, very excited, my best ever chance to win a medal at the Olympics was definitely this year. I was playing doubles with Nicole Bradkey. I'd lost my singles, and I was getting ready to go and play my first round. And um, cramps. Just all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, I feel so terrible. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, everybody out there who's a woman's going, oh, I, I know how you feel. Yeah. And it got worse and worse and worse. I was on the next minute, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm on the ground. Mm-hmm. I'm just riling in pain. I mean, it's just so terrible. And it's the first time that had ever really happened to me. Mm-hmm. It's happened subsequently like 10 times since then where it's gotten so bad where I wanted yeah. to die. But I was literally on the, I was throwing up. My my doubles partner calls like, oh my god, are you okay? And I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, and we we got called to go and play our match, and I couldn't play. I couldn't play you my first round of the Olympics. An Olympic match. I was rushed to the hospital. Yeah. I was in so much pain. And finally, they gave me. They couldn't give me anything at the courts because of the drug policies at the Olympics. Had to go to the Olympic drug, uh, at the Olympic hospital, which was a 40 minute drive. As you can imagine, how terrible that was. And finally, they gave me some like Valium or something, just calm me down, relax me. I woke up. It felt like I'd been hit by a truck, literally. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that happened immediately after that. I went to my gynecologist and I said, listen, I don't know what the fuck you can do about this (laughs) because I'm a woman and this isn't changing. But you need to help me here because this can never happen to me again. I I I could be walking onto a goddamn Grand Slam final and that could have happened. Um, And I said, I cannot have that. I cannot afford for that to happen. And so, you know, I went on the pill and, you know, it certainly helped in that regard. And a lot of players are on it because of it. And I know a lot of, obviously, a lot of lesbian players are on it. And it's not like, well, I'm worried about getting pregnant. But this was to monitor and regulate and also keep the pain down. Um, Well, Courtney was saying not only should we be, like, super mindful about, like, all the stuff that's going on you know, out uh, with women's bodies in particular that we don't know about who are professional athletes of all sports, but also the lack of empathy or or the sort of like, you know, guys checking in being like, hey, oh, how bad could it be? And your response, I thought, was the most perfect thing I'd ever heard. How about this, guys? I'm going to kick you in the dick, okay, once a month for four days. Yeah. Dick kicks. Like once, one, one, one time a day for four days. No, nah, two. Let's do two days because it's always two days that are just horrendous for all of us. Yeah. Um, it's like two days of our month every every month is yeah. just ruined. Okay. So for two days every month, I'm going to kick you in the dick and let's see how you feel about that. We've got a fever and the only prescription 
is dick kicks. Dick kicks. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. so true. But you know, we've had this. I've had this conversation with Andrew Pekovic. He also, you know, struggles with a little Sam Stoza. I mean, I'm just like outing everybody's bad periods. But and another thing is, I had a problem one time where I had to pull out of. I think I got through the match, but I had such terrible back pain that I like it seized up on me and I couldn't work out why and it didn't happen to me very often and you know I think I got through the match but I, I realized that it was the next day was my period and so every yeah. time my lower back got super tight you and knew. like that I knew yeah and and it, you know also had back problems because of it so yeah let's let's bring it out there and talk about because it, it happens all the time people well this is just the kind of don't be a dick dick don't be a dick. Uh, this is kind of refreshing honesty you're going to get on this second season of the Racket Magazine podcast. We have some insanely good interviews. We're going to do we it do. through the tour finals like yep. we did last year, and yep. then we'll take another break and collect more stories. Um, I'm super excited to get to some of these interviews. Uh, keep sending in your questions. Thank you guys so much for your and feedback. I know there was a couple we didn't we didn't upon, get to, we'll we get didn't there. get to all of them, but we'll 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 try to work them into upcoming episodes because we love talking to you guys. Obviously, we have opinions. But- we definitely have opinions. All right. On that note, Renee, it's lovely to be back in the studio with you. You guys stay tuned. This season is going to melt your face. Thanks, guys. We love you. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Rogerian and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.